Well, we're back in the studio, Nick. Welcome yes, we back. Are. It's great yeah. to have you back again. It's good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Um, we've, uh, for those that don't know, we record these a couple of episodes at a time, and uh, we're back in for round two of recording. We are. Um, and uh, we're sitting here in front of a beautiful bottle of Taylor's Merlot. Mm-hmm. Um, Merlot is a much maligned wine because of that. It is bloody film. I'd love that film. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen it. You've not seen it. I have not seen it, but I know that um, we've got Cherry from Taylor's coming over um, in the not-too-distant future, and she actually mentioned it as part of our communications Mm, coming to and fro, that um, it was something that we needed to address. The film is sideways for anyone who doesn't uh, know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, But, uh, look, we've had this sitting in our glasses for a couple of minutes. Would we like to have a taste, do you think? We should, absolutely. Sure. Cheers. Cheers. Bravo. You first, sir. Mm. I like that. It's very juicy, isn't it? It is. Um, it wasn't when we first opened the bottle. No, no. It was very tight coming out of the bottle. When we when we received the wines from Taylor's yesterday, we had a little taste. Little and um, it was probably a bit chilled because it had come out of the back of a courier truck that was probably a refrigerated courier. Um Goodness knows why, but they were probably doing other drops. And um, it really did kind of open up with warming up a little and getting a bit Just of air to it. Over the course of time, yeah. Yeah, over the course of time. I mean, we only we only opened this bowl what, half an hour ago? Half an hour ago, and we've had it sitting in our glasses for about for 10, bit. 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, already it tastes completely different Super to what juicy. we tasted yesterday. Um, so a little tip for everybody drinking at home. Um, it good. is absolutely... A much better wine, I think, when it's had a little bit of air on it. Much. I mean, a lot of wines are. A lot of red wines are anyway. But this one specifically, as you say, is very, very tight. When we first poured it, and mm. it, there wasn't much going on, mm. Mm. give it give it 10, 20 minutes, and it's very, very different. Absolutely. Very, Absolutely. If you, very plummy, very cherry. Even if you've got a decanter, by all means, decant it to get some air into it. Yeah, and... if you're from the 1970s and you have a decanter, then oh, you should absolutely. Well, look, it might be that you've been engaged or married before because it's a very, very stable wedding present. I think um, my, my parents have got like four or five, well, uh, and, but they don't use them very well, much. So. We have none, so get them to send, well, cu- send a couple they're, well, they're, cu- they're visiting soon, so actually I'm oh, going to ask them to bring over one of their crystal decanters yeah, just cause, for cause us. Because that, that'll survive the luggage from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Mm, maybe, maybe not. not. Maybe no, not. Okay. So as far as, um, as far as eating with Merlot, I mean, it's, it's one of those wines that really... It, it crosses a lot of um, crosses a lot of cuisine styles mm-hmm. because it is just such an eminently drinkable wine. Yeah, uh, what would you cook with it and eat with it, Nick? I think this would go really, really well with roast duck. Maybe yep. duck with fruit, mm-hmm. and maybe duck mm-hmm. with. Because uh, so, I'm getting plums on there. Yep. On well, not so much not so much on the nose, but on the palate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd say maybe duck with plums or. Duck with blackberries, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. I think that yep. would be beautiful. Okay, okay. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of um, roast lamb or yeah. even, like, I, I like the idea of game with it, maybe yeah. kangaroo. Um, but I think going into the steak territory, I think that a steak itself would probably be a bit too rich with it. Possibly. Probably a, which is funny because lambs are richer meat than steak, but oddly enough, I think the flavor profile would work differently. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is very. The wine itself is very juicy, and there's lots of berries mm, mm. on the palate. So, uh, something w- you don't have to cook something with berries. 
just because there's berries on the palate of the no, wine. No, but I, I do think that would work very well. But uh, with the duck, with with some kind of blackberries or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. But also something like something as simple as a nice rich shepherd's pie. Ooh, I do. Love with with cheese, you know, some bit of cheese on top, a nice rich, mash. rich gravy, and yeah. just, oh, I love a good shepherd's pie. Good shepherd's pie. Yeah, but we are we are heading into spring and summer yeah, now in, in Australia, um, which is where most of the people listen. I mean, in the UK, where we have picked up some listeners, and we hi have. to all the people listening in the UK. Yeah, hello, um, you all know me. Yeah, <laughs> it's my. Nan. It's your it's your nan and your family, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, we had a we had friends listen in Turkey as Turkey. well, so we actually have an international audience yeah. Nick it's fabulous yeah. but um, yeah heading into winter definitely a shepherd's pie would work beautifully with this or in, even the, a, in the UK yeah, even, yeah. even a beef and Guinness pie perhaps oh, yeah. that'd be nice um, I wouldn't actually put red wine in my pie though because no. I think I'd like to drink it all mm-hmm. um, but in Australia heading into the season that we are where would you go with that would you go anti-pasto style I mean it's a <sighs> Antipasto brings itself to your uh, pinots and things, your yeah. rosés and so on, but um, would you go into into that style or where would you put it? Uh, like, uh, any salads? I don't think seafood would work particularly well with no, it. No, not um, seafood. Um, maybe some some particularly oily fish like sardines or something like that could actually hold up. But I'm, I'm not just um, you're saying these things. I'm just looking off into the distance, kind of trying to compute with the, <laughs> with the taste in my mouth and the idea of the taste of these foods. Mm, um, mm. I, I like the idea of antipasto. That yep. that would work definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe with, again with a little bit kind of raw fruit on the mm-hmm. side. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I know that's what maybe perhaps you would you would do with it maybe mm. as we, as you say coming into the hot months. Well, I'm I'm thinking maybe even like a, a pasta arrabbiata or something like that with the with the tomato and the chili. Yeah. Um definitely a, a, the tomato sugo and um some fresh chilies which are on their way up in my garden anyway yeah. the seedlings are doing well. I think I've lost two, which is sad. Two seedlings. Two seedlings uh. out of I think I planted 15, so I'm doing okay. Okay. Yeah, the attrition rates are You okay. get you get chilies in your your chilies do really well in your garden, so. They do. I don't think you've got anything to worry about. Very true. Very true. But um, so, tailors, what do we know about them, Nick? Can you tell us well, a little bit? I, all I know really uh, mm-hmm. is that they're, they're quite big. They're they quite are. A, a big winery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, one of, the biggest in, one of the biggest in South Australia, if not Australia. One, one of the largest producers in South Australia. Mm. Um, this is from the Merlot grapes from the Clare Valley. Yep. Um, they do have vineyards all over South Australia, um, but uh, this is absolutely from the Clare Valley mm. um, vineyards. The um, pour some more. Oh, absolutely. Um, not too much for me, thanks. No, no, no. no. I'm enjoying it, but um, we. I guess we need some left. Well, for yes, cherry to, for cherry to when, have. She, when she arrives, absolutely. But um, we um, we actually at at the treasury we did a uh, did a dinner with Taylor's a couple of weeks ago, um, which is how I met Jerry and got on to um, getting her here as our guest tonight. But um, we didn't actually feature the Merlot that night. Which oh, what, is, why is that? Um, well, the way we were actually, the way we built the menu, truth be told, we, um, they, they featured the, uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon, they featured the Shiraz, um, and also featured uh, their Chardonnay, I believe, mm-hmm. and one of their sparklings. Which okay. was, all, all of them were flavour matched perfectly, but um, I, if I do say so myself. Well, you would say that, given that, <laughs> given that you cook the food. No, no, but the feedback that I got from everybody around the table as well, the, um, the, the cab sav we served with the main course. I'm not a big, uh, big fan of serving Shirazes with a main course just because it's 
Australians make very big Shiraz. Well, from the Barossa, perhaps, but yeah. the style of Shiraz, if you go around a lot of uh, wineries now, uh, maybe in the hills or, or mm-hmm. elsewhere, McLaren Vale, is drinkable. Mm. Not that mm. the big ones aren't drinkable. I love, yeah. if I'm honest, I love the old kind of powerful Barossa Shirazes, but the ones that they're, the style now is for more mm. drinkable, quaffable, mm. Do you think people food, have, ha- food kind of friendly? Um, do you think shirazes? people are moving away from the traditional style of making and actually going more away from the French, the Bordeaux style, and into the Italian style? Of- I wish I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> I guess that's something that maybe some cherry or, or you know other people that we feature on this podcast will be able to answer. Very true. Yeah, actually, you know how are South Australians making wine mm. now? Mm. One thing I am fascinated by with this particular wine, mm. is the price. It's so accessible, isn't it? $16, it's... 16 one six dollars they're selling a bottle for at their cellar door, I think. And um, which is incredible considering how many awards it's picked up. Yeah. Like, I'll, um, I'll let Cherry go through the list because it is long and distinguished. It might take up the whole interview. Yes, <laughs> but, but it is a very, yeah. very well-awarded Merlot. It really is. Yeah. I, um, I think the best thing for us to do now, Nick, is actually sit back, relax, and probably finish off these glasses and wait for Cherry to come and join I us. Like what do you think? Yeah, you why think not? That's a great idea? I think it's a really good idea. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Cherry Stoneman from Taylor's Wines. She's the Senior Brand Ambassador. Cherry, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you, Nick. And Nick. Hello. <laughs> it makes you. it easy, doesn't it? When, it does. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you Only can't having to remember it. one name is fantastic. It makes it so much easier. Now, Cherry, you and I met at the Taylor's Dinner at the Treasury a couple we of did. weeks ago. Um, we've already said to the listeners, we didn't actually feature this wine, which is why I was genuinely excited about having it for the podcast. Oh, good. Um, but... Uh, Look, let's let's deal with the elephant in the room first, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, Are you talking about me? Yeah, I was going to say well, that's rude. No, that's rude. <laughs> rude. Fair, both of you looked at me when you said that, so that might, it's not surprising. Oh, no, 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 no. I was actually talking about the malignment of Merlot. Much maligned. The much maligned Merlot. Merlot. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I think uh, it suffered really when it shouldn't have. It uh, d- mm. definitely definitely isn't a variety that we need to malign. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like reminding people that some of the most expensive wines in the world, uh, we count among them Merlot. Mm-hmm. For example, Petrus is yes. Merlot. Ah. So those beautiful wines from the right bank of Bordeaux. Much of them are Merlot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting story, actually, that um, we drink a lot of Cabernet and because we are influenced by the English, and the English were getting their Cabernets from the um, left bank of Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. The French were happy to send those wines across to England because they wanted to keep the Merlot for themselves. They said, oh, yes, you have those swampy wines, yeah. you know, from the left bank. And, Stupid English. And kind we, of why we yes. sell the English Fosters, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> a bit it's a like that. Yeah. So, yes, Merlot. Merlot should not be maligned. It, uh, it's a lovely variety and has many uh, wonderful qualities. Well, this one certainly does. Oh, mm. good. It's really tasty. Yeah. We were saying that actually um, when we first poured it, we had a drink and we, we were like, uh, nice, but, and then we gave it 10, 15 minutes to open up. Really juicy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A lot mm. of people don't realise that you do need, wine needs to have exposure to oxygen. And people often ask me why. And when I do wine dinners, Nick, one of the um, common questions I get asked is about decanting. 
And mm. I say to them, there's two types of decanting. When you have an old wine, you'll decant to remove the sediment. Yep. And, and that sediment really is just the colour falling out of wine. Um, and you want to do that nice and carefully. In the old wine, you have to think of them as very delicate creatures, you know, so you decant that very carefully. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when it comes to young wine, you're decanting for aeration, you know, mm-hmm. and there are actually aeration devices uh, that you can buy nowadays mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to open wine up nice and easily. And, and what's going on there is the the um, compounds that that uh, account for the, the aroma and flavour in the wine, they become really volatile and excited when exposed to oxygen. And we can actually taste more of those compounds in our mouth when they've been oxygenated. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so that's why it always tastes better. That's exactly the kind of education better. we want on this, oh, fair, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, what kind of market would you say that this wine is aiming for, given that it's... It was between sixteen and twenty dollars at the at the cellar door. Yeah, it's oh, it's twenty dollars at $20. the cellar door. Okay. Um, my good friend Uncle Dan will often uh, get it to you at a very good price. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get it for cheaper sometimes in those places. But um, it is a everyday drink. I would say um, the lovely thing about Merlot is the tannins. Um, I like to describe Merlot as uh, with the three P's. You know, it's often described with the three M's. Uh, much maligned. Merlot, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I like to call it um, plump, plush, and positively gorgeous. <laughs> I just came up with that last one, but um, it is—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's got this gorgeous kind of texture about it, which is lovely and soft, and and I love that word plush, you know, because it has almost um, ma- like velvety uh, texture. Yes, to exactly, it. Yeah. just like a velvet. Yeah, mm, this mm. lovely softness. It's there, but it has a softness to it. I agree. It, it kind of coats your oh, yeah. palate rather than mm-hmm. kind of waking things up, which other styles do. I remember mm-hmm. the, um, the the lovely Emery board analogy you talk about with yes. tannic structure. Yes. Um, and uh, I'll let you let you wax lyrical about that in a second. But I've noticed with Merlot, it doesn't do any of that at all. It's far more a. It's almost like drinking a hug. Oh, what a great way to describe it. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is. It's a lovely wine that is, um, you know, sumptuous. And, yeah, it's like sinking into that couch that I sat in uh, when I first (laughs) arrived. It was so comfortable. And um, when you asked me, other Nick... What um, you know? What what kind of drink is this? I think mm. it's a it's a lovely wine that is if you're not feeling like um, thinking about it too much, you know, and you want to just have a lovely, nice, soft drink, but not a lighter drink like a Pinot Noir or some of those Italian varieties. Something that's a little bit more uh, has a bit more depth to it, mm-hmm. and so um, of flavour, you know, but not structurally strong in your mouth like you can get with these tannic wines. Yeah, you don't have to think about it too no, much. No, it's just lovely. Lovely, um, and I love that warm hug analogy. I'm yeah. going to totally steal that. <laughs> By all means, steal away. What would you say would be the ideal dish to serve with this? We've both had our go at it, and we, for us, it's one of those things that could cross so many different styles because of that. Um, almost the softness of the texture of it. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to food and wine matching, there's a lot of. Um, 
uh, perceived barriers there. Mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. you know, that's another common question I get asked. People think, oh, you know, I'm going to, what am I going to do if I if I make the wrong match? And I, I want to um, advise your listeners out there that it's really hard to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it spectacularly right in some instances. And there's the some classic, yeah. Oh, that was some, uh, amazing. Steak, yeah. That dish that, mm-hmm. that you made at that dinner. You can get it really right, but it's really difficult to get it wrong. Yeah. And um, one thing that you, need to consider, I think, with food and wine matching is, p- particularly with red wines that have a tannin profile like these um, do, you want to understand who is eating and drinking, uh, what the mm-hmm. occasion is for. So, And you want to understand their level of tolerance for these bitter compounds that exist yeah. in wine because that's really what's going to change the nature of how it interacts with the food. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that with Merlot, much like uh, Pinot Noir, because it has a lower tannin profile, then you're going to come across less um, instances of, of um, that being a problem mm-hmm. for people. So uh, that's why Pinot Noir is such a great food wine because it has that lower tannin uh, Mm -hmm. structure and Merlot's in a similar vein. It's got a lower tannin structure so you're really not going to go too wrong with it. I mean I like to think of it um, if you think about the flavours you want to, your food and wine match you want the flavours to complement or nicely contrast each other and one not overpower the other. Mm -hmm. So when you're you're drinking this wine you know obviously there are some of those lovely kind of um, uh, rich plum characters and there's sometimes cherry and there's sometimes mm-hmm. even you know touch of vanilla and chocolate and there's like lots of layer of um oh, it's almost like um christmas fruitcake or you know <laughs> that kind of that kind yep. of feel about it so if you think about you know what might what might match with that yeah. you can even um you could broaden it up with meats that that go well with um you know, a sweeter sauce, even yeah. like a jus or something like that. You were or... saying duck, yeah. weren't you? Oh, duck absolutely. With, duck with berries, just maybe duck exactly. with blackberries or something. Just picking up that berry character, mm. that's yeah. right, and enhancing that and and um, running with that vein, mm. for now, sure. Jerry, you're probably the best person to ask this, um, and for all of those that are listening at home, um, tannin is a word we use a lot mm. um, when we're talking about red wine and tannic structure and so on and so forth. Yes. But for those that don't know what that is, can you can you spend a moment and actually explain for all of us yeah. what it, what is a tannin? How does it happen? And what kind of how does it change from varietal to varietal? Okay, well that's a really great question. Thank you. Um, the there's two types of tannin that are at play when it comes to wine. Um, there's tannin that naturally occurs in the grapes, and tannin comes from plant material. Mm-hmm. So if you think about um, the fact that the grapes have a tannin profile, I won't get too scientific because I'm a marketer and quite frankly I can't, mm-hmm. but I can um, talk about the fact that uh, as tannin is derived from plant material, the best way for people to understand it is tea. Tea and tannin. So people, if they don't drink wine and you drink black tea, it's that um, it's what makes tea yeah. kind of almost drying, if you know what I mean, yeah. in your mouth. Um, if you forget about having it with milk, yeah. um, and also uh, the process of uh, so tannin, the effect that it has on us is it dries um, our mouth. So it's it actually um, attracts moisture to it, and uh, the best. Um, 
example of that is when you want leather, leather goods, do you know the process of changing the skin, of drying the skin? What's it called? It's called tanning, isn't it? It's called tanning, exactly right. Mm -hmm. And they use tannin for that process. They put ground tannin on and that is really effective at drawing all the moisture out of the the skins, right? So if we think about grape tannins, they exist actually in the skins. They exist in the seeds and in the stalk. And um, we, when we make uh, red wine, we're really only interested in the tannins um, uh, that come from the skins. We're not so interested in the stalk. Sometimes we are when we make Pinot Noir because... Pinot Noir is a very thin-skinned grape, so it doesn't hold a lot of those tannins in the skins. Um, So we might use the stalk tannin in winemaking just to add a little bit of that kind of structure that tannin gives you, that real, you know, suck your cheeks in kind of feel. So, um, so, And then the other um, area is in the seeds, but we really don't like the tannin from the seeds. It's actually very, very bitter. It's full of these compounds that we call phenols or phenolic compounds. And Mm -hmm. so I always, when I'm teaching our um, sales team about wine and doing wine education, I always say to them, you know, those seeds, we don't want that tannin, but unfortunately they are very inconveniently located right in the middle of the the grape so that we have to deal with them um, as winemakers. But um, so the grape tannin, we want the the tannin from the skins in a lot of instances. We mainly want the colour from the skins though, Mm -hmm. you know, and the tannin exists side by side with it so we take that as well if you know what I mean but then the other form of tannin in wine comes of course from oak barrels and that is tannin that the winemaker is uh, is, has a choice about if you know what I mean that's one of his choices in terms of um, adding tannin to wine and so he uses the barrels in those ways to add structure to wine and and when I talk about that uh, often I say you know wine we, we think about how wine tastes but winemakers as well and consumers Consumers, people that love wine, think about how wine feels, you know. Mm-hmm. The most common descriptor I get from people who say they don't know anything about wine, I just know what I like, say, oh, it's smooth or it's sharp. You know, they describe how it feels more than how it actually tastes. Yeah. So a tannin is a way for us to manipulate the structure of wine in, in so much as how it feels mm-hmm. in our mouth and how it behaves, yeah. Okay. So, um we as wine professionals describe tannin, you know, with a lot of descriptors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can talk about tannin in terms of ripeness, and that really has to do with um, the best way to, for me to um, teach people about this is to think of a stick or a sapling growing. And if you have, um, as it grows, you know how it's still green and quite bendy, mm-hmm. um, and then as it matures, it hardens up and goes brown and sticky, right? The stick gets really. Mm-hmm sticky. Now that process is called lignification. And all plant material will lignify over time. And so what um, what we're trying to do is um, to get tannins that are ripe. We call them ripe tannins. But what we're really looking for is the fact that the plant material that we're using to introduce tannins, whether it's the grape or whether it's the oak, the, um, the material has to have lignified. It has to have ripened and gone hard because otherwise it introduces these green sappy characters into wine. And sometimes you can taste those. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and and they're not really pleasant. They're not okay. really um, pleasant. So we don't like to deal with those. This is our approach, yep. of course, at Taylor's. Yeah. And then the other way is texturally. So we can describe the taste of them, whether they're ripe or underripe, and then we can describe how they feel. You know, mm. whether the texture is. And this is where the um, the emery board comes into it, where I was trying to describe to people the difference between fine tannins and grainy tannins or coarse tannins. And if you think of an emery board, mm-hmm. it's got two sides. One is very fine, you know, for the really fine work, and the other is grainy for the rough work, you know. And that's kind of how tannins can feel in your mouth. That's yeah. true. Hmm. Well, you, I mean, you can't say this is not an educational podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel smarter just being here. Just being in the, oh, in the, the general Red area. Red is good for you, yeah. for so your smarts as well. <laughs> as far as this Merlot goes, mm. with, with all of what we've just learned in mind, um, how much time on skin, how much time in barrel? So with this Merlot, because it's a Merlot, uh, with the intention of the winemaker is for this Merlot to be drunk, you know, as an everyday, Mm -hmm. with a meal, absolutely, is what we would like people to enjoy our wines with. Um, So it... We actually give the uh, wines a bit of time on skins. We cold soak prior to fermentation. And the reason we do that is it's a lovely gentle way to pull colour out of the skins without pulling any kind of coarse, aggressive phenolic character. Mm -hmm. So time on skins prior to fermentation is what we do. And then uh, with Merlot, we actually use a combination of American and French oak. So from the French, we're getting just a little bit of subtle savoury characters, bringing that to the mix and with the American that's bringing that lovely sweet vanilla um, kind of character that really complements those sweeter fruit characters mm-hmm. in the wine um, probably uh, time on oak is a is a question that um, there's there's not a really simple answer so just time isn't the answer it's what kind of oak as well mm-hmm. how old is the oak so from us yeah we we look at about 10 months but you know a percentage would be new a percentage yeah. would be two and three year old yeah, we had um matt walker brown in a previous podcast from molly duca actually explain to us the process of oh, the brilliant. fact that um with the with the barrels the different age of the barrel actually the flavor softens over yes. time to the point where it's almost neutral you get nothing too from old. It, yeah yes yeah. yes well people often ask me the question, you know, when they come to the winery, and um, can I just put a plug in? At Taylor's, mm-hmm. we do winery tours, behind-the-scene winery tours, Ooh. and they're fantastic, and you get to go into the barrel hall and all that kind of stuff. So p- please do go on our website mm-hmm. and um, check those out. But when people do winery tours, they the first question they ask when they walk into the barrel hall, well, actually, after they say, oh, my God, doesn't it smell wonderful in mm-hmm. here? They always say that. And then the next thing they say is, um, how long do you keep the barrels for? I think they're mainly asking this question because they want to know can they come and get one and turn it into a flower pot (laughs) but um, no they're interested in how long we use the barrels you know for our purpose and I say to them you know barrels have four functions and uh, the the thing that you pay the money for is obviously the flavour but barrels also perform other really important functions and they are things like um, filtration like the tannin is actually uh, a very good the tannin in the wood is actually performs a very good um, function it has like Okay. A, has a bond to the uh, proteins in wine, mm-hmm. so it will it will draw those um, characters to the edge, okay. and we'll rack the wine out, clean those deposits off then put the wine back in so it's a natural filter yeah and then the little gaps in the grain they allow tiny amounts of oxygen to come in and and come in contact with the wine porous yeah yeah that's right so so it so that complexes the wine and and that's you know really the what maturation is doing and then of course finally it's a vessel 
Yes. And it holds a liquid. Um, So after we have sucked all the flavour out of it, Mm -hmm. which happens usually about sort of three to four years, the barrel still has other uh, functions. Mm -hmm. So um, the only reason, and people are surprised when I tell them this, the only reason we uh, get rid of old barrels when new barrels are coming in every year is because we run out of space. Just space, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got two big barrel halls at Taylor's and, you know, they're not – they're not cheap to um, no. to build and and yeah. Stru- and yeah, we we just simply run out of space. Mm. Oh, did you, well, if we can bring it back to the specific Merlot, wine, yes. the Merlot. Nick, did you realise this is an award-winning wine that we're, yes. Yes, that we're drinking? I, I, I heard tell that there might be a few um, <laughs> few gongs in its gold song, medals. Its yes. Yeah. yes, it's got two gold medals and one special award that it has won. It's only just because um, it's a 2018, yeah. so it's um, it's only just kind of entered the show circuit. And Taylor's, of course, are pretty renowned for winning awards, mm-hmm. um, and we love to compete at Taylor's. It's mm-hmm. really about just showing, you know, how how are we going? You know, are we still, you know. Still up there. Yeah, up exactly. There. And, yeah. and we're very competitive as a, as a, from a cultural point of view. We love to compete. But, um, yeah, two awards, one out of China. So the Chinese uh, consumers drink a lot of French wine mm-hmm. and they appreciate good Merlot. I mean, they're buying it, you know, from chateaus out of Saint-Emilion and things like that. They may not understand completely. We're we talking higher-end wine that they're yeah, buying, the expensive exactly, stuff. Exactly, yes. Okay. But they have this uh, appreciation for this style, if you like, of, of wine. Um, so... Uh, uh, the the gold out of China was uh, for great value was a much um, uh, you know appreciated award and uh, and then the other show is quite an interesting show it's um, it, I can't say it properly because my Italian accent is not that good but it's Emozione uh, de la Cabernet or something like this but it's the it's the uh, a, it's a concourse um, series of awards that happen all over the world that specialise in certain varieties or styles of wine. And um, we love to compete in those. And this one is all about Merlot and Cabernet. And um, not only this wine, the Taylor's Estate Merlot, picked up a gold, but also uh, previously we've won golds on our Promised Land Merlot. Pardon me, Merlot, and uh, previous vintages of this. So we're really excited. Yeah, winning awards is is fantastic, and it gives people that assurance, you know, that this is a, a wine of quality. Yeah. And mm. that's that considering its accessibility as far as price point goes. Yeah. The fact that you're getting something of that quality for exactly. the price is um is spectacularly good. We are very very fortunate in South Australia with the wine. That oh we my have, God, we so are. Yeah, Super we lucky. are so lucky. Really yeah. lucky. Yeah, when I travel, um, people say to me. You know what's it like where you live, and I, I, you know, obviously if I'm if I'm in my role as brand ambassador, I'm telling them about how beautiful the Clare Valley is and how, you know, wonderful South Australian wine is. And but if I'm travelling just as Sherry Stoneman, I say, oh no, it's terrible because you know I love the fact that um, it's our little secret. Yeah. You don't want anybody to know. No, <laughs> no I, I, I everyone will want to come here if they know how good it is, won't they? Don't want it to be spoilt by too many tourists. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cherry, look, thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, I definitely feel like we've just been taken to school. Yeah, um, in, an, in a good way. In, in, in the best possible way because we weren't allowed to drink wine at school. Um, and, <laughs> well, yeah, allowed, we but, you know. Well, yeah. well I was just, I'm just happy that we've sat here for this time talking about Merlot and not one mention of Sideways. Ooh. <laughs> so you've, well, you've done it now. Now, oh. you, now you've said the answer. <laughs> you've, you've, you've done it. We weren't yeah. going to say anything. But, <laughs> no, no, no. You brought it up. So. I know. 
I love that yeah, movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Should we move on from it? Should we not talk about it? Let's not talk about it. Yeah, well, um, America's moved on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. True. America's yeah. moved on. They're buying plenty of plenty Merlot. of Merlot yeah, and it. plenty of this Merlot. Oh, yeah, good, yeah. good so, news. Yep. Well, for all I'm of our pleased. American listeners, you can actually go out and get this, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we do. It. We, we we discovered that we actually have subscribers in America. Do we? Ah, yeah, we do. Awesome. We do. I don't, That's good. I, I don't know how, um, but due to the magic of social media, I think it's we, called the internet. Yeah, yeah and the travel. Internet. Oh, you know, yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, We're global ca- citizens now, aren't we? Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you so much again, Cherry. It's been a wonderful experience having you in the studio. For um, me too. Would love to get you back in later episodes to go through other varietals, but until next time, here's cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Who Nick My Wine was brought to you by the Second Street Chili Company and N Plus One and Associates with theme music courtesy of Hannah Fairlamb. Special thanks must go to the Doctor of the Dials, the Master of Bass, the Fifth Beatle himself. We'd call him Nick too if he'd let us. That's Tim Allen in the booth for Podcast Central. Our guest tonight was Cherry Stoman from Taylor's Wines and that Merlot has cured the malignment for me. I don't know about anybody else, but um, it's put Merlot well and truly back on the map as far as I'm concerned. Nick? Yeah. We are all over Facebook. Aren't we? Well, I'm not sure. Well, I we, We're so. on Facebook. We are. Which is a slightly different thing. If you type in Who Nicked My Wine, you'll be able to find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Our handle is at Who Nicked My Wine. We're on Instagram, where all of my lovely photographs are getting lots of likes. Aren't they? And lots of followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who Nicked My Wine, clearly. Mm-hmm. That's what we are, everywhere. Um, if you would like to, you can rate us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you... Get your podcast. If you vote for us and say nice things, we can reach more listeners. That would be which lovely, is always good. Yeah. If you uh, happen to be a winemaker, if you work at a winery, if you own a winery and you would love to speak to us, then just get in contact, and I'm, I'm sure we can organise something. That would be we would love to have you in our little studio. So until next time, from everybody here at Podcast Central and Who Nick My Wine, we urge you to enjoy alcohol in moderation. And until next time, happy drinking. Mm-hmm.